Welcome to Option Plus Podcast, your source of knowledge for liberty, increasing your options, life hacking, privacy and cryptocurrencies. In this episode, we will look at the engine of financial surveillance and censorship. Why can some people launder billions of dollars, while others cannot even open a bank account? On a serious note, we don't know where you live. I don't know what local laws, accounting standards and health regulations apply to you. Always consult with local professionals such as lawyers, accountants, tax consultants and doctors in order to stay safe and out of jail. None of this podcast could be considered advice of any kind. I hope you enjoy this episode. Let's dive in. Welcome to another episode of Option Plus Podcast. This episode will be about financial surveillance and censorship, and it is a recording from my talk with the same topic from Hackers Congress Parallel Police 2019. It is based on findings that uh, I learned when I was researching my upcoming book Financial Surveillance and Crypto Utopias. Please sign up to my mailing list if you want to get notified when the book is out and it will be really amazing. Uh, this recording is an introduction to the topic. Enjoy! Good afternoon. Uh... Alana said that it's her favorite topic. I have to say it's not my favorite topic, uh, even though I decided to write a book about this, which I'm working on. And one of the reasons I don't like this topic is that because uh, it's basically something that scares us. We, If we look at a picture of cameras surveilling us, it's not a nice picture. It gives people chills and the panopticon effect. Um, but I feel that it's important to understand it. And even in crypto space, uh, very few people understand how uh, financial surveillance actually works, what is being reported, uh, who receives the information and so on. So uh, ever since um, uh, maybe high school, I was fascinated by uh, offshore companies and tax havens. Uh, in high school, I didn't have much income, so I didn't have uh, many taxes to avoid. But I really liked the idea that there is a way out there how to avoid all these uh, uh, surveillance and taxation and, uh, and kind of get a little bit of freedom. And one of the reasons that I... Uh, start looking at financial surveillance is uh, the the backlash and 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 the uh, tr uh, the, the attempts to crush uh, these um, uh, tax havens and uh, actually what I what I realized that uh, uh, the laws about uh, international taxation didn't change that much recently. And uh, how uh, uh, this fight against tax evasion actually works is through the banking system. So you can still start an anonymous company uh, or uh, at least a relatively anonymous company in uh, one of these tax havens. This is uh, my favorite, Panama City. Uh, many of these buildings belongs to, uh, belong to banks. Uh, it's fairly developed. There are some countries that are not as developed as, uh, as Panama. Uh, but uh, basically the, the way to start uh, uh, an offshore company is always the same. You can do it. It's, uh, it's doing business in a, in a foreign country, which is still allowed. Uh, so, so you go, you, you register your company, you get your uh, documents, and then you realize that it's very difficult to open a bank account uh, for this company. And that's actually how the enforcement works. Um, so we need to understand a few things about surveillance. I got this idea from Jonathan Logans and 
Paul Rosenberg's book, um, the new age of the, the new age of intelligence, which I highly recommend to read. And the idea is this: so, the, uh, so if we look at this castle, uh, uh, that's the, the the enforcement agencies. Uh, these are the rulers, and we cannot see what's happening inside. It's just. Uh, big building with walls and uh, we don't know what's going on inside, how it actually works. So you can imagine this is uh, NSA or uh, or some uh, uh, tax office, uh, financial police and all these institutions. This is what we see. There's some institution and we know that it's watching us. Uh, the view from the castle is very different. This is the view from the castle. If you stand up on the wall and you look down, you see everything. You, you see there's someone walking, they, they met, they probably had an affair. Uh, you, uh, you can derive a lot of information about these people, even though you don't see what actually happened. So, uh, so if, uh, two married people have an affair with someone else and they meet somewhere and then, they get out and their hair is messy. You didn't need to actually see uh, them having sex in, in a barn or, or, or somewhere else. You can derive because you know a lot of information about people. You know, okay, uh, this person is married, uh, his wife is somewhere else and so on. So the view from the castle uh, is, uh, uh, has, has these properties. The only... Um, uh, the, the only only place where this analogy uh, doesn't hold uh, is that there is no more one castle. There are many organizations, and the question is how well they share the uh, share the data, how well they cooperate. Because if they combine uh, their views of the of the general population, uh, the information is even stronger and it, it can have even more impact. So I said that. Offshore is uh, no longer um, uh, controlled or enforced by laws, but by, uh, by the banking system. So the first thing to understand is um, what is the context? There is a very clear difference between uh, targeted surveillance and mass surveillance. So targeted surveillance means, okay, uh, Someone has uh, reason to believe that you are uh, uh, doing human trafficking or something really bad. They get a warrant, they, they come to your financial institution and they say, okay, the, there's a court order, the judge said you need to tell us information about this person. Uh, so that's targeted surveillance. Even in uh, non-financial surveillance, uh, this works pretty well and, uh, and it will continue working. It is very hard to protect yourself against targeted surveillance. If you have your phone, uh, it is usually, uh, using encryption, sometimes end-to-end -end encryption, which is very hard to crack on the mass scale. But what, what, uh, people or what these enforcement agencies can do is they can attack your phone specifically using zero-day exploit or uh, installing a bug there or something like that. And then they can learn more about you. What I will be talking uh, about here is mass surveillance that is uh, watching all people like from the view from the castle and deriving information about everyone. So it's very important that these are two very different uh, ways on how to do surveillance.
a lot of people say that I really like uh, the uh, the graphics from uh, this CCC conference, uh, nothing to hide, which which has a lot of censored context. Um, uh, and so I brought it up because of this issue with transparency. A lot of people say that if you're not doing anything wrong, you should not be hiding anything. And uh, I believe that this might be true for uh, governments and uh, public institutions. Yes, they probably should be transparent so we can all uh, check them. I'm not sure how well it works in practice, but that's something that we can we can strive for. But if it's my personal information and if I don't uh, even do anything wrong, uh, I might have, for example, bought uh, cryptos in uh, 2012. I, I might have bought 100 Bitcoin. I don't want anyone to know. And it's not because I'm uh, I'm not willing to pay taxes. It's not because I'm using it for something wrong. I just don't want to be a potential victim of blackmail and uh, and theft and uh, I don't want other people to threaten me. So I believe that privacy is a legitimate uh, uh, requirement and we should uh, uh, we should kind of uh, strive for keeping our privacy even though we have nothing to hide. We don't need to be bad guys in our order to want privacy. So uh, how does it work? Who is the police station in, in this? And uh, I would like to start by a very um, interesting thought that I got from Robin Hansen's book, Elephant in the Brain. Um, he was saying that uh, in the US and, and some, some other countries, it is forbidden to drink alcohol uh, in public. So you cannot just... Uh, get a beer and walk around on the street. Uh, it's not the case in Czech Republic and uh, Germany, at least not in practice. But what people do is they uh, they get a paper bag and they put the bottle with alcohol in the paper bag. Uh, it's still not allowed. And all the police know that you're drinking alcohol because why would uh, I drink my water out of a paper bag? Doesn't make any sense. What it does, it gives an excuse to police not to prosecute you. They have then done everything. They have seen nothing wrong. So, so they have an excuse. And uh, this is interestingly how uh, financial institutions work if they want you as a customer. So, um, so the states, the countries, they kind of want banks to enforce these uh, anti-money laundering, anti-tax evasion, all, all these rules. Uh, on the other hand, the bank wants you as a customer, uh, especially if you pay a high enough fees. So as Alana said, there's a lot of money being uh, laundered every year. Um, uh, if you want to invest uh, money with a private bank, they don't really care where you got the money from. It's not their business. All they care about is if you're going to pay the fees on the on the trades and on on everything like that. So I had a very interesting experience um, a few years ago. I um, I was becoming a client of bank, and I went through this. Uh, uh, AML, know your customer questionnaire. 
And the banker said uh, that, uh, first of all, he said, uh, I apologize, this is not going to be nice, and I will probably ask you how often you have sex and what's your shoe size. Uh, but uh, in order to make this work, please answer these questions, but please answer only yes or no. So he kind of told me to put all my financial history in the paperback. Uh, he didn't really want to know where I, get, where I got my money from. He didn't really want to, uh, you know, hear my life story and uh, w what kind of an entrepreneur I am or anything like that, uh, even though I had to send them my professional CV. Um, I didn't ask for a loan so that they di didn't really care. Uh, so he was asking me a series of questions uh, and uh, he specifically requested that I only answer yes or no because the only thing he wanted is to fill this form and then have me as a customer. So um, when we kind of out outsource this policing, this police station uh, to, uh, uh, to these financial institutions which are uh, often private, they're very effective at what they need to do. Uh, but the question is uh, if, uh, if they're doing what the, what the countries are trying to do them or they're, they're kind of trying to, to get an excuse, okay, the alcohol is in paperback, uh, I don't need to deal with uh, this person. So I'm going to, because it's very confusing, uh, there are so many rules, there are so many reports, and no one actually knows what kind of informa information gets reported to who. Uh, there, are, uh, there are public institutions, there are private institutions, and there are very interesting uh, ways on how these rules are made. So first of all, there is know your customer. Uh, probably every one of you sadly had to go through one of these processes uh, and um, they're followed by all the financial institutions, including most crypto exchanges that deal with fiat currencies. So they want to know your identity, who you are. That is usually by showing some kind of ID card or passport or something like that. Um, they need to internally determine the, the risk uh, in uh, terms of the tendency to commit uh, money laundering. They're trying to create a customer profile and they, they will monitor your transactions against uh, expected behavior. So that's why a lot of uh, financial institutions want to see uh, account uh, uh, movements, account statements from the previous banking institution. Uh, they probably also want a letter of recommendation in order to see that you are just a regular customer, you're not uh, uh, weird in any way. Uh, then they will probably ask you for a utility bill, which is a way to determine your residency. So tax residency is quite complex and the rules about tax residency are not unified. Uh, but uh, most countries, they uh, want to know where you usually reside. Uh, and uh, uh, one of the ways that is plausible is by uh, showing your electricity bill. So if you are living somewhere and you're paying for your electricity or other utilities, then you're probably live there and then you're probably a tax resident there. So that's, uh, that's interesting. And um, uh, they sometimes want also uh, your tax identification number, which is something that uh, the government assigns to you. Um, what is very important is that it is very difficult to cheat the bank with uh, nominee shareholders and nominee directors. It's directly a fraud. So 
what you can do, uh, even now you can go to, uh, to Seychelles or to Cyprus and you, you say, I want to um, register a company, but I don't want to be publicly visible. So I'm going to hire a nominee shareholder, a nominee beneficiary owner or nominee director. So these are the people who you probably never met and they're registered on the, on the business registry and um, they're the face of the company in public. And they have a private contract with you, which says, okay, um, uh, I am on the public uh, business registry, but this person actually owns the company. If you go to a bank and you say, this is the real owner, they will kick you out immediately. Like they, they, they have a, uh, they have a list of common nominee shareholders. And actually, if you do it, you're committing fraud, which uh, equals jail time in most countries. So even though uh, you have this perfectly anonymous company, uh, if you have a bank account, the bank knows who is the ultimate beneficiary owner and they will report this information to your tax office, which we'll see later. So um, one way to do offshore these days uh, is start uh, a company in a tax haven, but don't have a bank account, only use crypto. So we will talk a little bit more about that. Uh, what is important, uh, KYC is usually kept on a file. So this information is not directly sent anywhere. Uh, it is only available upon a request. So it's targeted surveillance. The problem is that uh, sometimes the result of, uh, of this KYC is that the bank will not want you as a customer or the financial institution. Uh, there are watch lists. Uh, this is interesting and not many people know about it. Uh, watch lists uh, are uh, these global lists of problematic people. Uh, one of them is called uh, World Checks by Thomson Reuters. Um, and uh, they use several sources in order to compile uh, this list. Uh, and uh, uh, some of the sources are not very nice. So, for example, they, they've been uh, known to use uh, gossip media. So if some tabloid uh, uh, published a picture of you with a known terrorist or some something like that even though you just you know uh, went out of the bar and the person was standing there they're uh, likely to include this information in your world check uh, file at least it happened a few times and there are a few documented um, uh, uh, instances when this happened uh, they also use forums uh, also uh, very very weird forums like uh, some white supremacy nazi forums where nazis are discussing some some muslim people and uh, and this is actually used as a um, uh, as a source of information um, uh, they are also recently started to use uh, a uh, list of ICOs and advisors. I have a friend who uh, became a technical advisor uh, to a company that did an ICO. He was listed on the web page and he had a problem uh, to open a bank account because he appeared on one of these lists. So, uh, so it's uh, really not nice. What is the problem is that uh, by contract, uh, 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 these watch lists, they're, uh, they're not, uh, uh, the company says that the financial institution doesn't use this as the only source of truth. So they are supposed to investigate better if you appear on one of these lists. 
the problem is that usually uh, when uh, when you have a yellow or a red light and you are on this list, the bank will just refuse you, but they will never tell you why. So it's like, oh, sorry, uh, we will not do business with you. Uh, we are a private company and you are a business risk. Goodbye. So we will never know that uh, uh, this is the reason why why they don't do business with you. So KYC, uh, the next thing is tax residence. I said that it's usually determined by utility bill. There are some, there's something that is called tax identification number that has been rolled out through OECD. Uh, not all uh, countries introduce the tax identification number. Uh, so when the bank uh, requests your tax identification number and your country doesn't issue it, uh, there's a website where you can say, okay, this one didn't roll it out. But other than that, uh, you will probably uh, uh, need to uh, get this number and it's based on uh, every country does it a little bit differently. Uh, there are some people that don't have tax residence. Uh, these are, for example, perpetual travelers that don't have any kids, don't own real estate uh, and they're just traveling all the time. So they, they have no tax residency. Unfortunately, uh, this is business risk for banks. So they will force you to say which country is your tax residency, even if you legally don't have a tax residency. Um, and what is important I, uh, during the research uh, uh, about this, I was speaking to many members of, um, uh, of uh, bank uh, risk departments and they say that they over-report. So if I'm a Slovak uh, citizen or if I'm a German citizen, I'm a Panamanian tax resident uh, in a Cypriot bank, uh, the Cypriot bank will report to both Germany and Panama just to be sure. So uh, a lot of people say, oh, cool, I have a utility bill from this tax haven. That means my bank won't report my uh, private information to uh, to my uh, country where I'm citizen. Uh, and uh, ha, 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 that's, uh, that's how I hacked this. No, it's not true. They, uh, they will report to, like, if they have any suspicion, if you have a wife from a different country, they will report to that country as well because uh, it's, uh, they don't treat treat this uh, tax information as private uh, that much. Um, taxation itself is quite a difficult topic. Uh, I don't unfortunately have a lot of time for it, but uh, tax reporting is automatic. So as I said, KYC is kept on file and on request, but tax uh, reporting is automatic. Uh, according to uh, CRS, uh, OECD's common reporting standard, it happens every year. Uh, at the end of the year, they will report that you have a bank account or an exchange account. Uh, they will report your balance. And if they know about any, uh, any dividend income, for example, that you had, that they will also report this. So this is automatic. You cannot avoid it easily. Um, there is another way how, how you can um, avoid CRS and that is by, uh, by uh, being in a country that didn't sign it, which the only uh, fairly developed country that didn't sign CRS is USA and the US territories. So FATCA is um, a predecessor to, to CRS and it's a, uh, it's a very interesting product of, uh, of the United States that they exported uh, to the world. So, uh, so the only way to avoid this is by not being an American and banking in 
US or US territories even better. So Puerto Rico, US Virgin Islands, uh, anything like that. Uh, this could change any time uh, because uh, FATCA is uh, based on bilateral agreements. Right now it excludes US territories, but that could change uh, any time. Or of course, don't use bank and use crypto. Um, there's uh, this, uh, these are income taxes, dividends, and account balances. Uh, also, there is a lot of reporting, especially within EU, on uh, other taxes like VAT. Uh, so we have VAT forms which uh, companies need to uh, send to their tax office in order to say uh, how much business they did with uh, within the European Union. This is a mandatory requirement for anyone who is paying VAT. Also in some countries, like in Czech Republic and Slovakia, you have electronic reporting of transactions. Uh, one of the reasons why I like Parallelpolis is because uh, this doesn't apply in Parallelpolis, because Parallelpolis is boycotting and we do not send this information. Um, there are also tax limit, uh, cash limits, uh, which kind of force you to use bank accounts uh, on transactions. Uh, for example, in my country, in Slovakia, it's uh, uh, 5,000 euros. In France, it's even less. It's uh, 1,000 euros. So, you, so you don't, you cannot actually legally buy even even a more expensive laptop with uh, uh, with cash anymore. Okay. So, uh, KYC, taxation, anti-money laundering, and source of funds. So, um, this happens in two stages. The first stage is when you're opening uh, your bank account. Uh, they want to know uh, where you got your money from, how much will you be receiving, uh, and where did... Um, uh, what is what is the source? So so uh, is it the business activity? Did you inherit it uh, or or any other other form? Um, also, when you receive money and it's anything out of ordinary, so anything out of uh, um, uh, what you expected, uh, then they will require some more information on incoming transactions. So many people think that it's difficult to send money. It is actually more difficult, especially in international banking, to receive money. So if you receive money, they will, uh, in most cases, uh, require both invoice and the contract. So they want to see, okay, this is for services del delivered and with the company, they will often, uh, for, for larger amounts, they will often want to know even the business profile of, uh, of the pa uh, party that is sending you the money. Um, so, uh, the tax information is reported to tax offices. Uh, AML information is reported to Financial Police, which is a completely uh, different organization with the same owner, which is the state, <laughs> but it's a different organization. And um, uh, they do not currently, at least in European Union, um, cooperate automatically. So if you have a bank in Cyprus and uh, you do a suspicious transaction, they will report it to the financial police of Cyprus, even though you are from Czech Republic, let's say. Uh, the problem, uh, which is 
also a feature a little bit, but uh, I think it's more more of a problem. There are no clear rules. So uh, you cannot say, okay, if I do crypto transaction for 500 euros, I'm okay because that's below limit. No, uh, if the uh, system of the bank says that this is a risky transaction, then it will get reported and it can be even a hundred euros. So there's no clear um, criteria. And another problem is a uh, few people from the banking sector, they told me uh, that the financial police is complaining that the banks are sending too little information. So, uh, so the problem is that, uh, the banks have to over report because they have kind of an informal quota. So if a bank uh, is supposed to file 500 reports per year and they don't see any suspicious transactions, then they will need to report some that are not suspicious. So the financial police is happy. So this actually happened to one of the uh, banks that I talked with. Uh, so you can be reported even though uh, your transaction is perfectly okay. They have all documentation and you just kind of was picked because they need to fill the quota. Uh, it's interesting. The quota is also not public. So, um, so one of the bankers I was talking to, uh, he said that first they were uh, underreporting. So then they said, okay, fuck it. Why, why should we, uh, be the police station? They're the financial police, let them investigate. And they sent every transaction to the financial police. And they immediately got a call and said, oh, why are you spamming us with transactions? We don't want so many transactions. Uh, so he, they, they kind of tried to see, okay, so what do you expect? Uh, is 100 okay or <laughs> do you need? So uh, just, just to have a rough estimate in Slovakia, uh, the number of reported transaction per country is 4,000, approximately 4,000 per year. So it's not like every your crypto transaction is reported. What would happen though is that many transactions won't go through. So they won't be reported, but the bank would just say, okay, we cannot receive this money. Uh, also, uh, AML doesn't concern only financial institutions. So in some countries, the uh, law offices, real estate agents, and even some, some private companies that do completely unrelated business have to report transactions uh, according to AML. So they're required to uh, kind of uh, 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 snitch out on, on their customers, even if they don't want to. I don't know how they're going to enforce it, but that's what's happening. Okay, censorship. So, uh, private companies, um, they might choose not to deal with you. If you go to a bank and they say, sorry, you're not a good fit for us. We don't want you a customer. That's the right. Like I also don't do business with anyone who wants to do business with me. I, I want to know if the project makes sense, if, uh, if they're trustworthy, I check their reputation. So it's perfectly okay for any private in institution to say, I'm sorry, we don't want to do business with you. On the other hand, uh, with cash limits, uh, the banks require you to do, to use the banking infrastructure, the financial system infrastructure to do some kind of transactions. So for example, if no bank wants to do business with me, but I want to buy a house and I have the money in cash, there is no way to legally buy a house because I need a bank account. I need a way to send it through the financial system. So uh, in some countries, uh, 
thankfully crypto is not considered cash for example in Slovakia so I could just send them crypto and I didn't break any law but there's some kind of catch-22 and no one is responsible so governments say we don't want to regulate what private companies do and then they say okay but you need to use these private companies for certain situations so it's kind of uh, uh, responsibility diffusion there's no one is really responsible to no one can do anything about this because it's no one's problem. So uh, one kind of censorship is we don't want you as a customer. Another kind of censorship is we are not going to let this transaction through. So some, uh, some cases of censorship. Uh, the first case uh, is a guy appeared in gossip media uh, with a politically exposed person, they were on the same party, they uh, they uh, got introduced uh, into the watch list and no bank wanted to open the bank account for the guy. Uh, discussed in Nazi forum by Nazis, one of the, uh, one of the uh, cases, everyone knows Wikileaks when, when the credit card company says we, we don't want to um, process this transaction for this organization. Uh, porn sites and gambling sites have problems. They're, uh, they're, they have problems because the transactions are, um, with, uh, they have a high risk of chargebacks. Um, a lot of companies that deal with legal pharmaceutical drugs uh, uh, or things like wheat. So wheat dispensaries are in a gray area and it's very difficult for them to uh, to do banking because technically uh, what they're doing according to federal law is illegal. So, so actually uh, dispensaries uh, deal a lot with cash, even though if they can accept credit cards, they still have to somehow convert it to cash to buy the weed and, and, and so on. So uh, there's a case of Sam Harris, which is a popular podcaster and uh, Patreon um, decided to censor his transactions. They kicked him out as a customer because uh, the credit card company requested it. So, uh, so that's inter uh, interesting. I wanted to compare it, uh, unbanked people in Europe to unbanked people in Panama. So a lot of people say, oh, it's uh, it's very bad that there are a lot of unbanked people. Uh, so in Panama, uh, more than. Uh, approximately half of the adult population do not have bank accounts. Uh, on the other hand, it's no problem to come with a suitcase of cash with US dollars and buy a house because they don't have cash limits. So, uh, so it's kind of a very different situation. Being unbanked in Europe uh, is much of, much worse than, uh, than being unbanked in some countries where you can still use cash. Uh, so banning of cash, uh, it's, uh, according to World Bank, it is something that countries need to adopt in order to introduce negative interest rates. We already have negative interest rates, but if they become negative 3% or something like that, every sane person would say, okay, I'm not paying uh, the bank to keep my money in the bank account. I will just withdraw anything, put it in the pillow or hide it under the bed and there it's at least zero, not negative 3%. Uh, so the only way how you can uh, prevent this is you can say, okay, there's no cash. So either you have money in a bank account with negative interest rates or you don't have money. 
so this is an official document of World Bank. If, uh, if the countries were to adopt negative interest rates, they recommend banning cash completely. Uh, also, cash is anonymous and uncensorable, so that's a very nice uh, feature of cash, uh, unless uh, you are uh, in, uh, in a situation where the transaction is, uh, is illegal. So then it's still uncensorable, but also illegal. <laughs> Um, so there's cash limits. Also, uh, there's this push for cashless society. Everyone, please pay with credit cards and, you know, pay uh, a few percent fees uh, to the credit card company. So this is what is also happening. Also, if you want to ca take cash over border, the usual limit is 10,000 US dollars. So you cannot just, you know, uh, bring 1 million euros to Switzerland and uh, put it in a bank there. Uh, so the way to do it is with crypto. Um, so the question why, wh who made up these rules? How, how did this become reality? Uh, so the usual uh, answer would be lawmakers. Of course, they make the rules. Uh, but actually, it's a very small fraction of uh, who is making the rules. Also, there are financial institutions. They make their own rules because they don't want to be uh, seen as bad actors. They want to um, uh, seem as a good members of the society. So they, they themselves introduce and they self-regulate. Uh, but the landscape is much wider. Uh, so. Uh, of course, there is OECD, that's uh, the invention of uh, tax reporting, uh, common reporting standard is OECD, which is this international organization. What is less known is an organization call, called uh, Financial Action Task Force, or FATF. The GAFI is the French uh, uh, translation. Uh, this is a small think tank um, of maybe less than 10 people uh, sitting in the offices of OECD in Paris. So it's a private non-profit uh, that writes most of international anti-money laundering regulations. They publish um, gray lists and black lists of countries. So um, uh, this is uh, very interesting because it's a networked enforcement. So if you are uh, using uh, international transfers, uh, you want to know that uh, you are dealing with a reliable partner. So, so if someone is sending you money uh, to your financial institution, uh, the receiving financial institution would ask, okay, what kind of rules do you follow? And uh, 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 there are some standards and uh, most, if not all, uh, institutions follow this financial action task force rules. So these are recommendations. They are not legally binding. There is no parliament ever voting for these rules. They're enforced because they're enforced uh, by, by this industry by spreading through network effects. That is also how USA is exporting their laws. Uh, so uh, FATCA, the tax reporting uh, for Americans, uh, is a US law. So why should uh, Slovak, Czech, Panamanian, whatever bank enforce these rules? It's, you know, the, the US law, um, uh, the US law is uh, in the US. So what they did is uh, they said, okay, all the financial institutions in US have to follow these laws. And also, if they do any transaction with any other institution, there are two options. One option is 
that the corresponding institution also follows these rules. So they also accept FATCA, even though it's outside of US jurisdiction. Or we will send 30% of every transaction that's done with the institution to the IRS, to the American tax office. So really, uh, any institution, uh, any banking institution, if they touch America or anyone else that touched America, they can either uh, get a cut from the transactions through this network of 30% or they need to accept this rule. So uh, it's interesting because no, uh, no members of parliament in Slovakia ever voted for, or at least not in the beginning uh, of, um, of this, uh, this law, uh, but they still have to comply. Uh, right now, it's enforced by bilateral agreements as well, so uh, so it's kind of more complex international. But the but the exporting uh, was very uh, very sur surprising uh, and uh, very effective actually. So I don't know if you have ever filled a FATCA form. I don't do any business with America. I was not born in America. I don't have um, any relationship to America, and I spend a lot of hours in my life filling. American tax forms. So that's really interesting. Um, I mentioned companies that are creating these suspect lists and also recommendations. There are European Union working groups. They uh, often create also only recommendations which are followed, so they don't need to go through the usual process. Um, and uh, intermediary and correspondent banks. So it's very interesting. A uh, good example would be again Panama. So uh, Panama uses US dollar. They don't have their own currency. So that means that every international transfer from Panama currently goes through an US intermediary bank. There are three big uh, banks that act as uh, intermediary or correspondent banks and they require all Panamanian banks to follow some rules. So uh, in Panama, no one voted for, uh, for these rules. Uh, they're actually not even explicit, but if a Panamanian bank wants to, uh, I don't know, if a Panamanian wants to buy um, uh, fertilizer for their field from, from abroad, uh, they will have to deal with a request from some US intermediary bank, even though if they're not doing the business with the US directly. So that's also interesting. So a lot of private uh, and independent institutions that are not controlled by any kind of democratic process make up the international financial rules. So it's very nice and easy to complain, you know, these banks, they're evil and, uh, um, and they, uh, uh, a lot of people, for example, say that, um, uh, these banks, they, uh, perceive crypto as a threat. It will destroy them. And that is why they, uh, why they don't uh, want to deal with crypto. So I think the story is much easier. The story is, uh, if they perceive that this could be a problem and you are a person with a free account, uh, that's paying two euros per month in fees. And there is a risk that they will have a problem because you're sending money in and out of crypto exchanges and doing weird stuff. 
they will just say, okay, this is not worth it. The risk is higher than, than what we, what we get. So we have our big retail business to protect and we don't care about, uh, you know, 500 weird people that go to crypto anarchist conferences. So they just say, okay, uh, it's not worth the risk. So again, that's the responsibility diffusion. Um, the financial institutions are not to blame. They're doing, uh, all they can to um, uh, to increase and grow their business, and politicians say we didn't make up the rules. Which you know that's what the, the banks chose to be to be doing. So that's a very interesting situation. I would like to show you just this slide from a report uh, on uh, corporate surveillance. So I was talking about financial institutions which are private, but the private financial surveillance landscape is only part of. Uh, a bigger landscape of surveillance. So these are financial services, but there are a lot of companies. There's a lot of specialization um, about how uh, how these companies are building your profiles, uh, how they're learning about your behavior, how they're deri uh, deriving new information from the behavior. You can Google Google it. The whole report is online. So. Uh, it's part of uh, something that's been recently called surveillance capitalism. Uh, for example, PayPal shares personal uh, financial information with more than 600 third parties. I'm not making it up. You can look it up on their website. That's the list. Uh, it's public institutions, private institutions, risk management, uh, credit rating organizations, and so on. So next time you uh, buy your stuff with Amazon, know that this transaction potentially uh, sends information to 600 other parties. The problem is, of course, internet is free. So if you're using a free service, then they need to make money uh, somehow. And uh, the surveillance capitalism is now very uh, effective in enforcing, um, uh, com uh, compiling this information, sharing it and uh, making money out of it. So uh, if you're not paying for a service, then you're the product. Uh, and uh, uh, the, this landscape, which this landscape is really huge and it's not only about what you do but what what you do says about you so uh, if i go to a website i didn't uh, tell anyone i'm a crypto anarchist but if they see i read five crypto anarchist articles and then pay for a ticket uh, to prague during hackers congress they safely know that i am so what to do about it First of all, you can use crypto uh, instead of bank accounts. Also, you can use services like Lamium, which allow you to pay your invoices in a traditional banking without KYC, without re registration using crypto, using Bitcoin. Uh, please use non-KYC exchanges, support them. There are many, uh, HODL, HODL and BISC are maybe the most interesting. You can use also ATMs uh, here or anywhere else where they still function. Uh, you do not need to be exposed to crypto volatility. If the volatility of Bitcoin is not your thing, there are ways how you can avoid it. For example, you can uh, enter a short on uh, BitMEX Perpetual Swap, which will fix your dollar value 
uh, of your coins and even get a paid interest rate, which is currently around 10% PA. You can keep most of your coins, coins safe, safely in your hardware wallet. So uh, I'm saying this that just because you want to use crypto doesn't mean you need to, you know, be okay with all the volatility. You can you can do it. Uh, this all hurts surveillance capitalism, so there will be a backlash, but please do it. Uh, pay for stuff. Free stuff means surveillance. Pay for good products and services. And uh, if you have a choice to pay with crypto, even if you're a hodler, please pay with crypto. You can buy it back the same day, but please use crypto to uh, keep your uh, uh, keep your privacy. So I'm writing a book about this. That's just a template uh, cover. Uh, if you want to know when it's out, you can uh, register uh, uh, some address, email address, even anonymous, I don't care. And I will send you an email when, when the book is out. It's uh, maybe a third done. And thank you. I let you. I let you talk because it's uh, interesting. But we have maybe one question or one or two quick questions from the audience. Sure, I'll be also around. So if you want to chat, I'll be happy. As uh, b before, someone raises their, their hand. Uh, I have a few additions uh, to what you were saying. The the FATCA rules that are uh, um, very new. Uh, like a few few weeks ago, they released new set of recommendations uh, that uh, require custodial services in crypto to transmit yes. uh, personal information together with the transactions. Uh, so I'm not FATCA. Fat. Fat, uh, sorry, yes, fat. Yes, yeah, yeah, fat. Yes. But uh, in any case, this is one of the most crucial and important things that happened, and not many media have reported on that. Could yes. you elaborate a little bit on that? Uh, well, the takeaway is don't use companies that require your private information, then they will have no private information to pass. But the travel rule means if you're sending money from an exchange that knows who you are uh, to some other exchange, they will also need to pass the information of who you are to the other uh, other company. Uh, we don't know how it will be implemented. It's just a recommendation <laughs> anyway, but, uh, but it will. Yeah. There's also, I, uh, you know, you, you mentioned that they don't want, the banks are scared to deal with uh, potentially small customers and get into trouble because of them. I just recently was dealing with someone who has huge businesses in a particular bank. Uh, we're talking, you know, potentially hundreds of millions of dollars and he also has private uh, account there and he wanted to purchase five million uh, worth of Bitcoin mm -hmm. and his bank said no yeah no yeah. so <laughs> it's true and it's also so what is what is interesting uh, that uh, the banks have this small department of account managers and usually much larger department of risk management and some of the bankers I was talking to they saw a clear business case they wanted someone as a customer and a bank clerk in a risk department that's making you know thousand euros per month said no <laughs> we cannot have this hundred million uh, worth of money from this customer because it's not not good enough for risk and they couldn't push it even through the board so so they're very risk averse the risk, uh, risk management department, they want to keep their job. So, so, uh, and it's very easy for them to say no because their KPIs, they don't care if the bank ma makes money. That's right. Okay. Uh, is there any Thank question? You. No? 
Okay. No, so thank you very much. One more round of applause for Yurai Bednar, please. Thank you. Thank you for listening. You can find more information, show notes, and contact information at optionplus.io. To help us build a map of areas in which people lack freedom, visit optionplus.io slash map. My Twitter account is J-U-R-B-E-D. See you next time. Live free and prosper.